Welcome to Podcastle. I'm M.K. Hompson, and today I will be reading Chapter 2 of The Native Star, my debut novel from Spectra. If you'd like to read the prologue and Chapter 1 free in their entirety, you can do so on the website, www.thenativestar.com. But for now, let me sum up. Emily Edwards is the town witch of Lost Pine, a small timber camp in the Sierra Nevadas. With business suffering under an influx of mail-order patent magics and her ailing pap to take care of, Emily has come to a desperate decision. She's going to cast a love spell on the town's richest lumberman, Dag Hansen, in the hopes of catching him for a husband. She successfully manages to cast the spell at a barn-raising dance, but it's just the beginning of her problems. When an itinerant dervish named Basim, doing prognostications as party tricks, drops a dire warning that the zombie miners up at the old China mine have gotten loose, Emily knows it's up to her to investigate. She gets some unexpected and unwelcome company in the form of Dreadnought Stanton, a snooty eastern warlock who's been sent to Lost Pine to bring modern magical method to America's most rural reaches. The book is available from fine retailers everywhere. You can find links to purchase it on www.thenativestar.com. So tell your friends, tell your family, and enjoy the story. The Native Star by M.K. Hobson Chapter 2 The Corpse Switch Emily and Stanton reached Old China two hours past midnight. Shacks and mine gear glowed stark white in the cold moonlight, and everything was graveyard still. In a mining camp that used live labor, this would not be unusual at two in the morning. But zombies didn't sleep. The whole point was their ability to work continuously for months on end until they literally fell apart. And indeed, there were signs that work had just recently come to a halt. Flickering coal oil lanterns still burned along the hundred-foot board sluice that stretched like a dark road up to the mouth of the mine. A thin trickle of black water ran off the sluice into a muddy pit that snaked down to rejoin Ubet Creek below. The foreman's cabin, crooked and leaning, shone silver-gray in the moonlight. Dark shadows under its eaves made it look angry. Stanton used his foot to carefully ease open the door. No one inside. He disappeared through the door, and Emily followed. The cramped foreman's cabin was packed with mining paraphernalia— Crates marked California powder works, spilling drifts of wood shavings, spools of timing fuse, rope and drills, and broken headlamps waiting to be mended. But it was an enormous machine, huge as the upright piano in Mrs. Barget's boarding house, that dominated the space. It was a behemoth of gleaming brass and polished mahogany, ornamented with a great deal of machine-engraved scrollwork. Here and there, lights flickered under blown glass buttons. Emily squinted to read the enameled plaque. Vivification Control Switch, D.J. Conway and Company, Chicago, Illinois, patent pending 1862. This is the corpse switch, Emily asked, but Stanton didn't answer. He was twisting a dial and looking closely at one of the needle indicators. It seems to be working just fine. You sure? Maybe touring the factory doesn't make you as much of an expert as you'd like to think. He glared over his shoulder. Corpse switches are really very simple, even though they do a complex job. If one were to fail, it would be immediately apparent. All right, if the corpse switch is working, then where are all the corpses? At that moment, a distant piercing scream sliced the night air. It came from the entrance of the mine where the iron tracks vanished into the blackness. 
They rushed out of the shack and up the hill to the heavy timbered mouth of the mine. From deep within, they could hear the amplified echoes of an incoherent shriek of pain and terror. The sound was like a cold steel rod rubbed up against Emily's spine. Stanton grabbed the satchel from Emily's shoulder and threw it open, ignoring her cry of outrage. He pawed through bottles and leather pouches, peering at labels. Chelidonium Magus, Enula Helenium, Hesopus Officinalis, Viscus Album, House Magic Basics. Oh, and Black Storax. That will help immensely. At least you're well prepared. He poured garlic and salt and cayenne onto a flat rock. Then, using a smoothly rounded piece of granite as a pestle, he ground them together with a few of the other herbs, finally adding the storax. He muttered charms in low, cadent Latin. You're not rhyming, she snapped. You have to rhyme. There isn't time for that nonsense, he said. This is an extremely simple devivification powder, the kind a schoolboy might compound as an amusement on a rainy Sunday. He scooped two handfuls and put them in his pockets. He gestured to Emily to do the same. Throw it at anything that moves, he said. It's not strong enough to hold them off long, so don't let your guard down. They crept into the mine, holding their brands before them. The bright white light cast harsh flickering shadows against the rough-hewn pine supports, made the mining car tracks seem as sharp as if they'd been honed on a whetstone. A thin trickle of muddy, cocoa-colored water ran down the middle of the tracks, smelling of iron, or perhaps, Emily thought, as they got closer to the anguished screams, blood. They followed the screams to the end of a shallow test tunnel off the main line. There they found him, Mr. Hart, the foreman, the mine's only live employee. He was buried under huge, mud-slick boulders and crumbling earth. Only his head and shoulders and arms protruded. His breathing was choked, constricted by the immense weight pressing down on his chest. Blood trickled from the corner of his mouth, black in the half-light. M. Edwards, thank God you've come. He raised a shaking arm to clutch at her hand. His skin was freezing cold, waxy and gritty with dirt. Emily brushed mud from his face. I won't leave you. Light. The man's voice was small and terrified. Don't let the light go out. How is he? Stanton called. Emily came close to Stanton's side, dropped her voice low. He's still alive, but he's under a ton of rock. I don't know how we can get him out. Do whatever you can, quickly. Stanton was looking down into the frigid gloom of the main tunnel. Deep in the darkness, Emily could hear shuffling and grunts and small groans, and now and again she saw something glitter. Eyes. They're holding off for the moment, Stanton said. He threw one of the brands down the tunnel. In the sudden flare of light, Emily caught her first glimpse of the zombies. Crouching half-bent in filthy shredded rags, they pulled back from the light, but not far. Emily hurried back to Hart's side and looked at the rocks that covered him. They were far too big to move. They, they went crazy. Hart's voice was thin and distant. The diggings were, everything was normal until they found. The man's leather-gloved hand fell open, and a warm glow filled the side tunnel. In his palm lay some kind of gemstone rich blue threaded with glowing filaments of white. It shimmered from within as if suffused with remembered sunlight. Emily brought her light down to examine it. They were afraid of it. I picked it up to look, and they went crazy, turned on me. They wanted to bury me, bury it forever. The effort of the last word made the man splutter and choke. An agonized cough racked him, and with it came a bubbling gush of black blood. Miss Edwards, Stanton's voice was tense. He's dead. Emily said softly. The sudden presence of real death among all the half-death suddenly made everything seem heavier and slower. There's nothing we can... But her words were lost. 
as if by some silent signal, the zombie miners swept forward in a wave of rags and rot, trampling Stanton in the light as they crowded down the side tunnel. Emily shrieked, scrambling backward until her back was against cold rock. She felt for the devivification powder in her pocket, but it was too late. The miners were upon her, reeking of mud and rust and decay. In the flickering half-light, she saw the face of a man, swollen and brutish and slack with the stupidity of death, his cheek a mass of black mold. The thing got a slimy, icy hand around her throat. The bones of the skeletal fingers dug into her windpipe, pressing her hard against the wall. The close blackness of the tunnel spun around her. She struggled for breath as the corpse pushed her back. Mort statim! The words made the rocks and earth around them shudder. Stanton's lanky form was outlined in blue flame, and there was a colossal flash. The zombies were harshly outlined in sudden daylight brilliance, then dissolved into sparkling clouds that glittered like gold dust. Darkness fell abruptly as the magical brightness faded. Lux, Stanton snapped, and the pine brand flared once again, weak and wavering. The radiance of the attack had seared vibrating black spots onto Emily's eyeballs. She tried to blink them away, but they stubbornly refused to vanish, and in a moment Emily realized that they were not black spots at all, but two corpses that had not fallen in Stanton's attack. They were lumbering toward her. One had a pick in his crumbling hand and was looking at Emily as if she had a vein of gold in her forehead. Don't just stand there. Stanton was slumped against the rock, breathing hard. She reached out, trying to squeeze past her zombie attackers, but the one with the pick clutched at the loose end of one of her long braids. It yanked her back hard, forcing her to her knees. The pick gleamed above her. Desperately, she grabbed for anything she could strike out with. A gleam caught her eye. She lunged for it, and her hand fell upon the blue gemstone. The moment her fingers touched it, everything changed. She could perceive everything with complete clarity. The texture of the walls, the sound of Stanton's breathing, the bright metal head of the pick soaring down to split her skull. Faster than thought, she rolled to one side as the pick struck sparks on the rock by her ear. Dumb and dizzy, she grabbed one of the zombie's leather-dry legs. If she could just knock it off balance, and in an instant, the thing collapsed to the ground, the pick clattering against rock, the end of her braid still clenched in its bony fist. She struggled to free herself, but the second corpse gave her no chance. It clawed at her arm, but the moment the dead flesh touched hers, it shuddered and stilled, falling across her in a slimy heap. Then all was silent, but for the sound of Emily's tattered breath and the roaring of her heart in her ears. The next thing she knew, Stanton had shoved aside the no longer undead and was slapping her cheeks, even though she thought it perfectly obvious that she was completely awake. Stop it, she snapped, pushing him away. I'm, I'm fine. What happened? I couldn't get them all. Stanton's voice was distant and hollow. How did you manage to... I don't know, Emily said. They just fell down. She felt funny drifting and warm and oddly light. She lifted a hand to brush a dirty lock of hair from her face and noticed that the strange blue stone seemed to have become stuck to her palm. No, Emily thought, stuck to wasn't right. Embedded in was a more precise description. The stone had somehow worked its way entirely through her hand, a roundish lump protruding from her palm. She looked at it quizzically, turning her hand over slowly. The gem protruded from the back of her hand as well. She held her hand up to Stanton's torch. The light glowed through the stone as if it were a piece of cobalt glass. The thin threads of white shimmered. My word. Stanton's brow wrinkled. He put down the torch and took Emily's hand, touching the stone with both thumbs. Does it hurt? It does with you pawing at it like that. Emily jerked her hand away. 
Then she noticed Stanton staring at her face. What? she asked. Your eyes, Stanton murmured. They've gone all black. But there was no time for further discussion of Emily's eyes, for there was a skin-crawling shriek from the mine's depths, and then another, long, protracted shrieks that were coming closer with alarming rapidity. There are more of them down there, Stanton said. Last I heard, old China had well over a hundred zombies, Emily said. Let's not stay to count. Together, they raced up the tunnel. The shrieks of the undead were louder now. The corpses were moving fast, but she could smell fresh, cold air up ahead. We have to block the entrance, Emily said as they emerged into icy moonlight. She pointed at the rocks over the mine entrance. Magic those rocks down. Stanton stumbled to a stop. His eyebrows knit mournfully. Miss Edwards, I just mortified two dozen rampaging zombies. I am in no position to magic anything right at the moment. If we don't get this opening block, there'll be dozens more in Lost Pine before dawn. But even as Emily said it, she knew what she had to do. Running to the foreman's cabin, she threw open the door. In an open crate, sticks of dynamite lay buried in wood shavings. She grabbed a stick and reached for the spool of fuse cord. Running back up the hill, she heard the shrieks of the undead echoing against the black forested hillside. They had reached the mine entrance. Stanton had picked up a heavy mossy branch and was holding them back as best he could, swinging the branch wildly at a clot of zombies that seemed to find this action extremely annoying. The man could even annoy the undead. Despite herself, Emily found this rather impressive. Digging into her pockets, Emily came up with two handfuls of devivification powder. She flung it at the zombies, but they continued to shriek and scrabble, unaffected. Emily drew back behind Stanton. See, I told you you needed to rhyme. She held up the dynamite. Can you light this? Flamma. Stanton glanced back, snapping his fingers. Nothing happened. He looked confused as he snapped his fingers again. Oh, forget it. Emily threw the stick of dynamite to the ground. She was about to rummage around in Pap's satchel for the flint and steel he always kept there, but the instant she dropped the stick of dynamite, the fuse exploded in a shower of brilliant sparks. Ten seconds of fuse!' Emily yelled, kicking the dynamite against the timber brace that framed the mine's opening. Then she dove under the board sluice, clasping her hands over her head. Stanton, however, remained at the mine opening, apparently determined to keep the corpses at bay. "'Get clear!' she screamed at him. At that very moment, Stanton threw down the branch and gave an exceptional leap, a leap given far greater distance by the energy from the flash and roar of the explosion at his heels. After the roar subsided, and the last chunks of muddy rock and splintered timber had clattered to still silence on the ground around her, Emily rolled out from under the board sluice. The mine entrance was gone, replaced by a sundered wreckage of tumbled rock and twisted trees. Emily listened for the sound of the undead shrieks, but all she heard was her own breathing, heavy and irregular. "'Mr. Stanton, are you alive?' she called. Her answer was a groan from a clump of blackberries a good fifteen feet distant from where the mine entrance had once been. "'Showing off like that, you deserve to get yourself blown to kingdom come.' She scraped handfuls of heavy red clay mud from the back of her skirt as she spoke. I'm fine. Thank you for inquiring. Stanton straightened uneasily. And yes, I did do a quite a fine job of keeping the undead from escaping before the dynamite blew. Thank you for mentioning that, too. Emily leaned against the rough wood of the board sluice as he limped up beside her. One side of his hair stood up like an exclamation point, and his broad forehead was streaked with soot. How are my eyes? she asked. He squinted at her face in the moonlight. Still black, he said. And your hand? Still got a rock in it. Emily lifted her hand with fingers spread, then flexed them experimentally. It didn't hurt, precisely. Her fingers felt clumsy and stiff, but her hand felt warm. 
She held the stone up to the moonlight. It glowed clear through. She could see no bones, no muscles, no tendons. She closed her hand over the stone. So, you're the great warlock. Explain what this is. Stanton rubbed the back of his head. Well, he averred finally, I'd hate to jump to any hasty conclusions. Mr. Hart said that the zombies were afraid of it, Emily said. They were trying to rebury it, and he got in the way. Horrible, Stanton said. Will it hurt me, do you think? She struggled to keep fear out of her voice. Stanton shrugged with his customary dismissiveness. Well, you're not dead yet, he said. Here, she thought, is where I treat this tactless lout to a snappy retort. But suddenly, she didn't feel like doing much of anything snappy at all. Instead, she looked back over her shoulder toward the mouth of the mine. She thought of the man who would remain buried there forever. She clenched her fist around the stone as tightly as she could. I'm going home, she said.